In a few minutes, we're going to be in a room with a killer. Well, you just want to know what I'm doing in here. I killed some folks quite a while back. They told me I'm well from it now. Why are you letting him out? He's free. His time's up. That's the rules. After 25 years, Carl Childers is coming back to his hometown. Carl, see if you can figure out what's wrong with this thing. Won't crank up and everything seems to be put together, right? It ain't got no gas in it. Finding a friendship he never had. My name's Frank Wheatley. What's your name? Carl's my name. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundromat. Nice to meet you, Carl. And a family he has always wanted. Mama said you can stay over with us. I like the way you talk. Well, I like what you talk. Just how retarded are you? Stop it, though. Mama has a boyfriend. He threatened to kill her if she ever left him. And you're gonna learn to live with my rules. Doyle is a monster. But when the darkness comes back into his life... He's mean to you and your mama. He's forced to make a decision he hasn't had to make in 25 years. I'm gonna kill you dead in a doornail. Starring Dwight Yoakam, John Ritter, J.T. Walsh. Written, directed, and starring Billy Bob Thornton. Will you ever kill anybody again, Carl? I don't reckon I got no reason to kill nobody. Sling Blade. Hello and welcome to The Ravens, a movie and TV show podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Dom. And tonight's movie for debate is Slingblade. So hello and welcome to The Ravens, a movie and TV show podcast where it's always 10.30 at night, so it's trying to grab the snacks from the sweet cupboard, move on upstairs and settle in as tonight's movie for debate is Slingblade. Dom, we're here. Happy New Year. How are you, my friend? Yeah, Happy New Year to you. It's, it's good to be back. I'm very well. Um, looking forward to getting stuck into this and podcasting and all sorts this year so yeah all good how are you absolutely yeah good here 2024 the year of more podcasts but dom we are not alone we're joined by someone that people would refer to as a kingpin but they would be wrong because he is the king pigeon it's ed the legend he's back ed Welcome back to the podcast. You know we love chatting with you. Family is in the house. How are you doing? Doing good. Glad to be here, y'all. Well, Ed, let's let's begin with you because this sling blade was your choice, mm-hmm. and so we're gonna go down into into we're gonna get deep into it in this film. And uh, there's so many different avenues to talk about. But can you? Tell us some of your like history with the film, like the first time you saw it, and you know why you chose it. Yeah, the first time I saw it was in college, and um, I think um, the girl I was dating at the time introduced me to it, and then um, moved forward. Of course, um, fell in love with that movie, 
Uh, and it's funny now, watching it now through older eyes, um, and um, the feelings that it brought to me uh, when I rewatched it were totally different. Because, you know, um, hopefully as you get older, you mature, you change. Uh, or I'll just say you change, you know, you may not mature. But um, the movie is special. My uh, now wife, um, different girl, obviously, when I uh, met her, she loved the movie too. And uh, when um, we were discussing movies, I said, man, I need to pick a really, really good movie. And so I thought of this movie. I, you know who I thought about initially when I thought of this movie? I thought of Chuck. Cause I was like, this is like something that he would probably like. Cause he seems like to be on another level type guy. And <laughs> I also was pleasantly surprised today that Dom is here. I didn't, I wasn't sure that Dom was gonna be here for this, uh, but I was glad cause I was like, I think Dom may really love this movie too, cause it's 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 out there. It's uh kind of dark, but it's also kind of funny. And it's also, it'll bring a tear to your eye as well. So that's that's it. I, I love this movie. Um, and after I rewatched it, finding out facts about it that I didn't even know um, yesterday. Excellent. Well, and that ties perfectly into Dom. So Dom, what's your history, memories, associations to Sling Blade? I think this is going to be the shortest answer on the podcast that we've ever had. But my history with this film is nothing, zero. I watched it for <laughs> the first time today. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I've had plenty of time to, to watch it, but you know, you know, need a little reminding every now and then. So, ask Simon what <laughs> what film it was we're covering again, just to make sure. Um, and then watched it today, and and kind of I just looked up the cast. That's the only thing I kind of know about it, and that it's from nineteen ninety six. And that's it. Watch took took the time today to to watch it after work, and yeah, what what a kind of roller coaster of stuff that happens in this film. But it's it's definitely got that kind of caring, passionate side to a, a kind of heartbreaking ending, but also quite loving at the same time. It's it's like so so many different emotions, like Ed was saying, and yeah, it's great to be here to talk about it because it's it's a really interesting one. I was just—I was thinking this is like one of the most serious films I think we've ever covered. Although there's like there are funny moments in it and there's some funny lines mm-hmm. and stuff. It's just like this is this is real down to earth kind of stuff, you know. Considering like some of the stuff that we we cover is a bit more silly, childish, like '90s films, isn't it? Because that's what we grew up with and stuff. And I can imagine this is the kind of film that's on at ten o'clock at night on Channel Four on a Friday night, you know, just because. It, it's it's a great film to to put on, but I've I've never actually seen it. I've never seen it advertised over here. Um, so yeah, it was it it was good to be doing something that I've not come across before. So it's exciting. And what about you, Simon? You got the same sort of story as me, or have you come across this before? Uh, slightly different. So I slightly slightly different, but I still had not seen it. I know the title of this from hip hop. And from Battle Rap, I've heard someone say something about Sling Blade, though now thinking about it, maybe they were actually talking about a Sling Blade. Um, But I thought, oh, 
in my mind, I was like, is this like a Stallone film or like an Arnie film? I was like, maybe this, maybe it's like a late 80s, early 90s, like action movie. It kind of sounds like that sling blade, like it's some sort of action hero or something. Not at all. Not at all. I, I really don't like watching trailers uh, for movies because I like to just go in blind and be surprised by what by what I'm going to see. And I kind of did that for this. Like, I didn't know who was in it. Uh, I just saw the, like, one-line description on, like, Apple TV where I, like, bought it from that said that uh, a man that had been institutionalized in some sort of, like, mental hospital, for lack of a better term, uh, befriends a young boy. That's it. That's all I knew. I had no idea what the crimes were or anything like that and then was just absolutely uh astonished with uh in a positive way with billy bob thornton's performance the way he didn't even look like him like he was completely lost in that character like all you all i could see was the character and it, like the mannerisms uh like his voice obviously like all these different things that we will that we will touch upon but I, yeah, I honestly had no idea what, where it was going, what it was going to be like. And, you know, spoiler alert, I guess I was, I thought it was really, really good. <laughs> like amazingly good. Like what a sort of classic movie, like a movie that even though I was seeing it for the first time, I can see that, oh, this is like a classic. Um, it, it sort of gives me similar vibes to things like, um, though very different, but uh, like you could imagine it being in the same category as like uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or uh, As Good As It Gets, like those kind of, uh, you know, movies that are held in such high regard. So, yeah, I'm really glad that you picked it, Ed, because I don't think we would have ever watched it otherwise or come across it. Um, so, yeah, so that, let's take it. Let's take it from the beginning. Usually we'll do like a synopsis of, of the movie, but I think this is actually quite... Uh, this would be better to do it in a more linear fashion. Um, so, I mean, firstly, we've got Billy Bob Thornton, who not only is starring in it, also wrote the screenplay, won the Oscar for, you know, best screenplay, was nominated for uh, best actor in a leading role. But this is one of the very few occasions where a movie that's been nominated for the best screenplay wasn't nominated for best motion picture interesting i don't know mm. why it wouldn't have you got someone that's nominated as the you know in the best leading actor and in the best screenplay any thoughts on any yeah. of that maybe because um well would you even call this like an indie uh i know it was, it, it it was it independent like a, yeah it had like a million dollar budget um which is crazy. And uh, at that time, he was basically not known. And so this was his big break. So maybe, um, uh, what was the movie that won? I, I didn't even look it up. But I, I, I know that uh, when I was looking at all the accolades, that movie won a ton of awards that year, not just from the Academy, but... Um, but from all over uh, the place. So it, it was very well received by the critics and the audience. 
and I think it had like a 98 uh, riding score. Yeah, looking. like fresh, 98% fresh, <laughs> yeah, on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And it gets, it's an 8.0 on IMDb, which is like really, really good mm-hmm. for IMDb ratings. I can see Dom's been Googling. Who won that year, Dom? I know that you know. Well, I'm looking now. Would it be the 1997 Oscars if it was 1996 the film came out? Yeah. They do them the year after, don't they? It's February and the year after usually, yeah. So it would be the 69th Oscars. Well, while Dom looks <laughs> for that, oh, the... Uh, so we got we have this opening scene where we've got Carl, Billy Bob Thornton's character, um, sat and we've got this horrendous douchebag telling these horrible stories um, next to him. And I liked how it started with that and ended with that. Obviously, we'll talk about it when we get to the end of it. You got it, Dom? The English Patient won the Oscar for Best Picture that year. Which is a terrible film. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. It's always some movie I've never seen. So I never even heard of. But I I actually have heard of that film. But some movies I just put on my list and I don't check them out. So, but that's crazy. Madness. Well, we get to our like sort of second or so scene of the these two younger women that are from like a, a local paper or a local school paper college paper whatever and they're coming to do a article on Carl's release because he's being released and it's this whole setup of when they're in the room the lighting has to be just right for for Carl he won't he doesn't want you to ask him any questions he will just you know just answer you and all of these things when it was being set up as somebody that works in social care i was like oh okay this guy i'm assuming if it's like the light and the sex and all these different things is maybe quite profoundly autistic or you know has Mm. has some um like neurodiversity going on and it did kind of start like that and then as the film went on it didn't like lose that but like the lighting was never brought up again um, you know, like he likes having dim lighting. I thought, did you think that too, Dom? You're sort of nodding. Yeah, that, that was exactly what I was going to say. That's the only scene in the entire film that didn't make sense to me. Is I understand why they're doing a report on him, but the the whole like, don't ask him questions. Cause it, and he just comes out and starts speaking and gives his story <laughs> and everything comes out. But that's never referenced again as well because then everybody's asking him questions and he just answers them. So I, yeah. I didn't, I, I thought it was odd, but um you kind of quickly forget that, I think. So it's that. So it's kind of okay. But yeah, exactly the same as you. I thought we can't ask him questions because he, you know, he. Uh, I think for a lot of it, I was watching, it and he didn't really look at anyone. And it wasn't until later mm-hmm. on in the films that he actually looks at people properly. But um, yeah, I kind of thought the same as you. Like maybe he is potentially autistic, or you know, along those lines. But it, it then changed as the film went on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and during those times people weren't really talking about autism and things like that. You know, obviously during this movie, the R word was thrown around a lot. And that's, uh, like I said, you know, over time, you know, being, like I said, an old pigeon, you see <laughs> how uh, times change, you know, uh, cause even um, 
if I think about per se, like I, I, I have a, my, with my wife, she has a, a nephew and um, this fella, um, I remember when I first met him, he was a little boy. You could tell he had some issues. The family didn't get him help. And now this is an adult with issues that is going to have to um, have to rely on someone for the rest of his life. Because if you probably would have got him checked out when he was younger, he could learn to cope. But um, going back to Carl, um, like you said, <laughs> his favorite thing at the nervous uh, facility was to look out the window into the sunlight. But it's like, um, you know, it's just like, I guess, like back in the day when they said, if you got sick, they'll bleed you and, you know, end up killing you or something, you know. So just the way of thinking was different, even, and that was just, uh, I, I'm not, not sure what the setting of this movie, but I would assume it's sort of set in the 90s or early 90s based on the cars or whatever. So that, that's that's the other thing I couldn't work out as well, because I was watching it thinking this is like mid to late 70s. Oh, no, it's 80s. Oh, no, it is 90s. And for the whole film, I, I jumped a, a decade, like every kind of third of the film. Like each act was a different decade for me. Um, I, I couldn't figure out where the hell we were <laughs> in time, you know. But uh, I think I, I sort of settled on late 80s, early 90s, I think, by by the end of the film. But yeah, it's a good point. One of the guys had a, a Caprice, a Chevy Caprice, and I want to say that's sort of like a... Um, I think that car came out in the 90s it's a very popular car especially in the south um where the movie is set in um, arkansas uh, which is a border state um here close to me in the tri-state area where i live in uh, north mississippi memphis area and so yeah so that made me think it was maybe like early 90s or whatever had to do more research to find out i i kind of thought that it was like yes i also at the beginning thought oh this looks kind of old like uh and i didn't but i think i now put it down to it being an independent film and maybe like the camera qualities and things were like a, a little bit grainy like not to say that it was bad or it was obviously really well shot but that yeah and it was also from where it was set it was in kind of an impoverished area like not as in not like super poverty that's how you measure these things i don't know if you know there's poverty super poverty and regular poverty <laughs> that's the that's the official terms right it's it's like a pretty impoverished area um and i kind of was getting that um that that vibe from it so maybe some of the more you know people wouldn't have the latest cars like the newest cars and be rolling around in mercedes bmws and things but the whole aesthetic of the film uh like in terms of like world building and feeling like it all feels lived in like every character felt genuine and real and it felt it almost didn't feel like you was watching a film it just felt like you were just a fly on the wall viewing what was going on and i think that's such a a testament of great filmmaking i'm so surprised that why is billy bob Thornton not just writing and directing 
all of his <laughs> films because he's obviously clearly really talented as well as uh, as a performer but i'm surprised that he's not like that's not been his venture you know it's almost well not tarantino-esque but just in that you know writing directing and then starring in that's pretty rare right to also be the lead in the movie yeah like difficult thing to do as well i guess like be such a presence uh, in front of the camera and then have to be that presence as well behind it um you can imagine it's difficult and having to rely really heavily on kind of the crew that you you kind of select to to be on it with you um so kind of to, to jump back to what you were saying a minute ago simon with the, how it's filmed and stuff I, I can't get this out of my head and i feel like maybe i need to verbalize it but i, I just it just made me think of shawshank redemption the whole time the whole way through the way it's filmed the colors the, the kind of feel of the film i know it's very different and they're very different sort of spectrums of film shall we say but they had that kind of same vibe about them and that i i thought i'd just share that because it's just stuck in there and i don't know why <laughs> it does it feels like the same world in, in some yeah, way that's it, a good yeah. way of describing it yeah that's true i that's um i watched it i watched part of it with f and then it got too real and she had to go to bed like it was like <laughs> like too real in that it, like the emotions you know um oh yeah but well let's let's uh so let's take it back so we get so we're in the dim light and uh it's a great device for uh carl to tell us his story as as an audience but he also doesn't tell every single detail which i thought was really clever because he tells us that he tells a, a long story that paints the picture but basically he killed a guy that he thought was raping his mum and then killed his mum um but we don't know what age he was when it happened like we get that information a bit later um and we also get the story of how terribly horribly mistreated he was made to live in in a shed um he had to he created a a ditch that uh was like his bed um he'd get as a treat at times he'd get biscuits which i think are scones here dom yes yeah yeah similar to scones yeah um we call them scones ed (laughs) (laughs) yeah like yeah i'm thinking of scones or something a little different (laughs) But yeah, hor- like hor- he's horribly. He's, we'll we'll break some biscuits with you one day. Ed. Um, <laughs> we'll do both kinds. What we call biscuits, like <laughs> cookies, and what you you know. Uh, but it goes to. There's so many great talking points about this because it goes to conditioning, right? Like, as in, he was conditioned uh, in such a way that, of course, this is going to affect somebody's personality there like the, tr- the the sheer trauma of it and we find out more of the traumatic things that he went through later in the film but i mean it was he was destined to end up in a bad place um i mean i'll i'll go to you first on because you obviously you were watching as a first time like how shocked were you by this like did was this in any way the direction you thought the movie was going to go in so early on (laughs) for like literally for the i have to say for the whole film i was thinking 
this just just feels very normal. Everything feels very normal, although it's like a horrible story. You kind of think it's very no, it's just normal life. We're watching life go by for these people, and it's day after day. Fix a lawnmower, do this, do that, do that, do that. And and I thought, what, when are we gonna get to a point that there's some sort of kind of climax? This this kind of epic moment, um, and it came a lot later in the film than I was expecting, much much later. Um, but it's kind of it's just so it's so hard to to kind of know the backstory and as you start to learn and you find out about the brother and or like there should have been a brother and it, it it's just just so traumatic and but the more i watch it the more like the sorry the the longer i watched it and like continue to go through the film the more i started to think this is just um someone who is getting treated very badly and uh, you know there's a lot of use of the r word and he's being called that all the time but for me, he he isn't. He's just grown up in this institution, so he's his his life and his kind of formative years and his discovery years have been taken away from him because he's grown up in this institution. So all he knows is is living there. And when he disappears and like when he gets released and then comes back and says, "Can I just live here?" They're like, "No, you're released now. You, you can't live here." I was like, "Well, I've got, kind of got nowhere to go," sort of thing. So it's you know it's nice that they then find him a place and somewhere that he can work and be useful and just sleep on a cot and you know he's he's going to be fine with that um and, and you I started to realize that he's just he's just normal it's just normal he's just normal but that's just the way he's kind of been brought up because he was so young uh, when he was locked away um yeah so it's really like I just I would just implore people to watch it to be honest <laughs> Well, Ed, as as someone that's watched this a few times, like when you watched it earlier or yesterday, um, how how does it hit on repeat viewing? You know, like that those traumatic mm. his traumatic backstory. So, on repeat viewing, this is the first time I watched it, and like I said, it made me cry at the end, the first time. But now, like being older. Being a dad and all that stuff, married and just soft, soft head, <laughs> it is different. Um, because, like I said, it's it, the movie. It has moments that makes you laugh. Uh, because like the the part that gets me with him is that he's so honest, and um, even the people, like you said, the people that he comes across, um. Uh, they see him as not a threat a lot of them with the exception of the villain you know like from the get-go he was like hmm, no he did something to get up in there you know and like it's but other than that everybody else was willing to help him. uh the guy that gave him the job then um the little boy uh they made friends fast friends and then even his mom. Oh, you can come live with us. What? <laughs> so, well, another person that was alarmed by him was um, um, John Ritter's character. Mm-hmm. He was alarmed too. And so, uh, that's very interesting, uh, especially in his situation because it, you know he was gay. And so, like, living in the town, like he said, where people were judging him, but he had his high beams on, you know, so 
But other than that, uh, I I guess maybe he was just that way because he was being protective of the of the mother and son. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so if we, uh, you Dom kind of touched on it there, but the story goes, uh, he tells his story. One of the reporters says, or the student says, you know, are you going to kill again? And he says, well, I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't think so. I love the, I love the continual callbacks as well as, you know, I read the Bible. I understand most of it. Um, you know, like I love, like he's just so he's just so sweet natured and so and we find out later that well he's been in that institution since he was 12 right like he uh the situation with his mom and dixon son whoever that the other the you know the person other person was jesse. That jesse. jesse yeah i think what's his name but like the other people and you notice how when Jesse's name came up, they was like, oh, asshole, what he was, you know? Yeah. Um, so Jesse was one of those guys. We all know people like that because um, we all have grown up in situations where people are going to be different. But there's always a person that will pick on people that are different than them. And we're, that's the beauty of our world. Difference can be race. It can be you're tall, you're short, you're fat, you're skinny, whatever. But you got to um, appreciate the differences instead of pick. And so that person that picks is always just an asshole. And so <laughs> Absolutely. we all, especially when we're younger, we're always like, man, I wish somebody would just kick his ass. And, oh, Carl, you come across someone that's, you know, a little challenged. Hey, he's going to probably take it literal, and he did what he did. So, Bad. well, so he he gets released, um, and absolute failure and shock, like shocking, uh, uh, like system, like no transition into the community, <laughs> absolutely nothing to safeguard him into. You know, this is how he doesn't even know how to call nine one one. You know, at the end of the movie, like as in he literally is not equipped at all. Like there's no, there's nothing to say that he would succeed, like succeed in in society. Like mm-hmm. atrocious. You got, we've got to pray that that was fabricated for the movie. But I, I'm not sure if it was in those days. You know what, America is crazy. So. If you're institutionalized, it's almost like if, if you're labeled, those labels stick throughout life. Um, and then if you are a criminal, prisoner, or whatever, whenever they do anything, they have to mark that. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but like you said, it should be... Uh, system in play to give these people a chance to, uh, to bounce back but it's i know people um um like i i have uh uh my wife's um her uncle one of her uncles he committed a crime when he was younger and that dude is institutionalized like a mug like he he has been back to jail prison maybe four times and he's been out now maybe like the last 
five years and he hasn't done anything. But he probably doing stuff. I don't know. Like, you know, but it's just like once they get in that being institutionalized, I know in this case, yeah, he did commit a crime and he had mental challenges. But it's like they they can't leave that lifestyle on them. And so it, it's hard for people to trust them. Like, like I'm, I'm going to be honest. Like, whenever I'm around here, him, I'm like, this dude's always up to something, you know? And that's that's sad, but, you know, hey, I'm going to be honest. Like, Carl, like, that's, <laughs> that's, you have to, like, I think about, hey, I have to protect my wife, my family, whatever. So that's, I think, what people think about. And I, I know it's a major issue in America, uh, the prison system and stuff like that, or dealing with mentally challenged people or people with issues, how to help them. How is it over there? Well, I mean, I'm sure it's not much better. Um, I mean, I don't, I can't really speak to much of like the justice system. Um, but I think that, I mean, the statistics on people reoffending, I'm sure, are really high. Um, and that's really sad because the point of prison is meant to be, it should be, was meant to be to rehabilitate someone so that they learn, evolve, and, and don't, you know, repeat and can be, uh, you know, an asset to society. I can say that with, from the bit I can talk about, is for people that have a learning disability, they're, well, I mean, the the bridge between education and the community, which is like, I guess what you could call like an early intervention of making sure somebody is included in into society, which is a big part of what we're saying we're missing here. Like he was institutionalized for, I don't know, how old are we supposed to think he is? Maybe late 30s, early 40s, something like that. So he's been institutionalized for what, you know, 25 years or something and uh so he needed people to help support him to access the community and to show him and teach him how how things work um and that that for people with learning disabilities in the uk now is getting better i think and is a continual uh progression but i mean yeah and hopefully that's that's always the case i mean dom do you have any any thoughts uh it's again it's a difficult topic because it's not something that you know i'm close to or really i i guess have much experience with but you know my my neighbor has been to to prison four times i think it is and you know i've i've i don't invite him into my flat regularly you know but he's someone that's been in my flat and he's been you know open and honest about it and talks about it and we've had quite a few instances with the police turning up because of other people but you know they they go oh someone's shown some concern for you so we're turning up for this and his reaction to the police uh, which i've witnessed is like extreme like has a complete distrust complete hatred um uh, complete literally just goes crazy uh and i witnessed it a few times to the point where i've actually come out told them to to get away from his door because all they want to do is check that he's okay but he's absolutely screaming through the door so i've come out and said like to my neighbor just let just say you're okay just say the words they want to hear and they'll go away say the words they want to hear and they will go away that's they are literally box ticking 
So he literally said, I'm okay. And they went, okay, thanks, and left. And that's it. And that's that's the problem there, is that there's no actual real care in this kind of... It's just a transaction, isn't it? We have to do something because somebody's told us to. And then if you do something bad, we lock you away. And it's up to you what you do after that. And that's how it feels, anyway. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are, have reformed really well out of it and have learned a lot from it. And he seems to be doing really well now, like I will say. You know, he's he's got two kids and he you know he he talked like i talk it quite openly about this but he you know he's quite open about it himself and he you know um says he does everything for his kids now and that's all that is important to him and i think that's really important i think that's a positive change in his life and i think people have to kind of make that for themselves i'm not sure that they'll they'll get that in a prison system or you know with police or parole officers or anything like that i don't, I don't think our country and definitely the States, from what Ed's saying, you know, is, is equipped to handle that and making those positive changes for people or supporting them with those positive changes. So it's something that will continue, unfortunately. Yeah. Wow. Man, that's, that's, that's eye-opening. And um, I'm glad you shared that. But um, looking back, when I was in college, when I got... <laughs> I lived on campus most of my college career but like my last year my senior year i was like i'm getting off campus i'm not staying in the dorms and so got a little cheap apartment close within walking distance uh, to campus and so i didn't know until i got in the apartment but i was living that's the my um rent was so cheap because i was living that's the people that have been in and out of jail and so they, you know, you start meeting your neighbors and they start telling you, they was like, so what are you doing, man? And I'm like, well, I'm going to school. And it's like, ah, oh, you know, they're like amazed, you know? And so, um, but you just find out, man, for the most part, if you don't prejudge people or, or um, just expect the worst out of them, they can't change. Uh, like, you know, like um, this movie was saying, um, um, like sometimes people can make mistakes or whatever, or uh, they can change. Or oh, it, it's, this movie hit on so much stuff about the world, and and Carl was really wise, you know. But through the whole movie, they're calling him the R word, one which is crazy. Like one of the most disrespectful terms um that you can still throw around you know um, and, and people do it uh you know it, it's a, amazing what you can become accustomed to um just or what was like i said socially acceptable at the time and that's when i watch like movies like this or even when we watched um um, the sandlot, you know, like a, I was like, wow, how different things were when um, you watch a movie like that or, or whatever, and you look at it like, like I'm, I'm not ashamed to say, it, like some of the stuff I laughed at, I laughed at again, but I'm not like laughing in like an evil manner. It's just, oh, this dude's behavior is kind of funny, or some of this is funny, but like. Um, you get the the heaviness of the of the movie and what it's trying to show you. Oh, 
Ed, I have three points. I'm so scared I'm going to forget them as I go through. I'm <laughs> definitely, out, definitely going <laughs> to. The first one, well, I think, well, jokes are complicated about what to laugh at, right? But a lot of the time, it's about the intentionality. You know, sometimes people will say offensive things in a movie but it's played for comedy because that character's ignorant right or that character's right. whatever and so then you know it's it's okay um but also you know you laugh at what you laugh at it's also not something you can right. control right you know it's like right people can't really police police that as long as you know your intentions and heart is good then you're good um okay one i can i can still feel the other you two three. Got three. <laughs> the second one <laughs> Uh, I've lost one. One of them's gone. One of the, oh the, no no it's back it's back it's back. The R word the R word. Okay so this is this is really important for us to talk about because yes it gets used a lot in this movie and it's being used in in a derogatory fashion. Um, and obviously working in social care, it's a uh, you know it's there's a whole campaign that I'm sure wasn't just in the uk i think was international was mm-hmm. you know about about the r word and about you know taking that out of people's vernaculars and but i think some of the characters in this movie are not using it in a derogatory fashion it's kind of like that's what was right. the accepted vernacular at that time i mean even right. in like textbooks and old uh mm-hmm. you know articles and things it was at one point the accepted uh, vernacular which then uh you know was became derogatory and people used it in an offensive way to the point that now that is you know an offensive word but like people like the the guy that gives him the job uh fixing lawnmowers and stuff like he uses he uses it but he's not using it in an offensive manner he's just that's the the only language i think available to him to describe that he's somebody that you know they didn't he didn't he wasn't going to turn around and say yeah i'm going to support this neurodiverse gentleman with his employment you know he doesn't have that kind of articulation to it um but still i would hopefully now in 2024 that's where we are there would be you know (laughs) updated uh terminology and my final point which i have remembered it which you were saying about judgments and um the fact that that's what people do is a lot of a lot of judgments of people that have been uh institutionalized whether that be in you know like a uh, a facility for people that have, are having mental health issues or learning disabilities or whatever or imprisoned incarcerated well that is what the the movie does in such a beautiful way is that we get to see carl through the eyes of the boy um and it that happens that can happen quite a lot in uh movies where it's like the innocence of a child that doesn't judge somebody upon what they've done they just see the person that's in front of them and i was wondering in my thinking and so let me bring this to the table for conversation is do we think that's because a child is pre-ego so when they're pre uh having a conceptual idea of who they are in their mind their pre um you know judgment basically like an ego is the thing in your mind that basically judges yourself and judges other people um 
do we think it's that do we think it's just the innocence of a child what what do we think it is because that relationship is so key and special to the movie uh, I, I think it's innocence I, I think it's innocence and and uh kind of less understanding of the world but also you know kids are protected from the bad things that are happening in the world aren't they you know um I'm sure that the two, I say this as a non-father, but I'm with two fathers. I'm sure that the two of you would stop your children from watching something on the news that was particularly, you know, um, upsetting, shall we say. Or if there was something going on in the world that, you know, well, there's lots of things going on in the world that are very upsetting at the moment, you know, and I'm sure that you'd probably try and keep them away from that. Or if there was some news about one particular person that's, you know, gone out with an axe and killed several people, I think you'd keep them away from that. So I, I think there's there's a definite innocence uh, about it. As much as it's, um, we want to educate our child to be nice and kind to everyone and see everyone in the same way, there's also this, we need to protect them from the, the bad things. So we're not going to show them the bad things because they don't need to know that yet. So I, I think that I think with kids and especially the kid in this film that he's not come across, um, he's not seeing him in a bad way because he sees people for, for, for exactly what they are because he's that, because, because he's so innocent, he can't, he doesn't see it any different. So he knows that the, the, the mom's boyfriend is a, an arsehole because he is an arsehole. He, he, you know, there isn't any manipulation or anything different around that. He's just horrible and he wants to protect his mum, who's the nicest person in the world to him. So he sees this other guy who, you know, let, let's put it down as a description. A man comes out of an institution after, let's say, 25 years for murdering two people, is then hanging around with a kid that's like 10 to 12 years old. It's not going to happen, is it? We're not going to allow that to happen. In, in this day and age, are we realistically? But you know, we're, we're all kind of sit, we're all kind of looking at this within with innocent eyes, aren't we? You know, and and through this kid's eyes, like you said, Simon, um, and we're seeing Carl through his eyes, which is he's almost like a protector. He's become a friend, and uh, you know, Carl even plays football with him because he sees a father and son talk about football, like the old chip off the old block. You know, he sees that and he thinks, "I'm going to make a happy memory for." Is it Frank, the kid? <laughs> I think that's his name. I think that's right. His, I know the, act, the actor's name's Lucas Black, which I can't believe. <laughs> when I saw him, I was like, oh, it's the guy from Tokyo Drift. He's the main guy from Tokyo Drift. Friday Night Lights. He's a All right. So you, yeah, wait. In the Is he in Friday Night Lights, the movie or yep. the TV show? Oh, so. The movie. Right. Yep. So people obviously don't know was so ed chose sling blade uh, which we've already said but at one point we weren't sure whether we were able to find it streaming or whatever and so ed suggested friday night lights so whatever happened we were watching lucas black <laughs> in a movie yeah <laughs> he's a great great actor like even at that age like you said like it, it kills me whenever he's like oh I want to kill that son of a bitch. Like, you know, like, like, <laughs> cause you can feel that. Like, I, I feel that boy. Um, and also, like, I, I come from a, um, a broken home when my um, parents divorced when I was younger, and my mom dated guys, and I was, and she remarried, unfortunately. But uh, anyway, it's a whole nother story. Uh, <laughs> and some of these guys, I was like, oh. Kid, you bitch. I didn't like them. You know, they they were you 
I get think from being in that I've been that little boy where you're just a little boy, but you want to protect your mom. Uh and but when the mother is dating or whatever, I mean, uh I guess she's um smitten by this fella, uh Doyle in this case. And she she knew Doyle was no good, but she said it, but she was like, he's just on one of his spells, you know, we'll ride it out. What the hell? Mm. But it's nothing he could do. And so the little boy felt helpless. So when Carl came along, uh, uh, in a weird way, a positive influence on this kid. And Dog was having nothing of it, even though uh, he meant them no harm at all. Like, you know, he mm. just meant them no harm. And, and But like I said, when I rewatch the movie now, it's certain decisions that were made. I wonder how the movie would have played out differently. Like if, let's say, if he never uh, moved in in the garage, you know, if he would have just stayed at the shop, you know, I, I guess with a guy as controlling as Doyle, it still would have been some um, head bumping between them because he he really he really saved them because. That dude at some point was gonna possibly kill one of them or both of them. Uh he he was crazy for real. But at the same time, like when I, I talk about how the movie <laughs> made me laugh at some points, he had some of the craziest lines where I was like, okay, like, you know, like I told you guys, I love a, a great villain. He is like on another level, great villain. Like he's that's bad, you know. Um, how about I get a whole lot of police? Well, <laughs> no, he's like you die nine one one, and if you're gonna kill me, bring an ambulance in a hearse. <laughs> like just like just sitting there chilling with his beer. But uh, oh, hold on to that moment because we we'll we'll get we'll get to that we'll get to that. But well, the there's great great points made there. I'd I'd have to ask a question because I didn't quite get the jo- I didn't get the joke and I didn't know if it was maybe because of the accent or you didn't get it either, Dom. Yeah, so no. two two guys peeing off a bridge. One's from California. <laughs> one's from where Arkansas. And one says the water's deep. I don't I didn't get it. He was saying that the dude from Arkansas is like mouth. You get it? Right. They're packing, <laughs> they're packing a python. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that's the clearest way for me to. Uh, one says the water's deep. Uh, one says the water's cold. The other says yeah. the water's deep. Yeah, I get it now. Yeah. 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 Then sense. he tried to ease the tension and tell the joke himself. <laughs> what <do> you, yeah. <laughs> As I guess one's from Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon one's from Arkansas. <laughs> well that that's the moment. So after the yeah, the antagonist stepdad guy is Ah, oh, he's such a he's prick. Awful. He's such a prick. And but he's awful to everyone. He's awful to his friends mm-hmm. as well. He's awful just to everyone. And um Yes, yeah, so. 
just to quickly mention the band when he gets the band together. Did you <laughs> did you recognise one of them the from home, home Improvement? Yeah, <laughs> the guy with the big beard. <laughs> well, they they're all real musicians as well. I read mm. that online. Um, but yeah, he's awful to all of them. And mm-hmm. Lucas Black really does put in an amazing performance in this, like a really good, nuanced, like child performance. And he had a lot of dialogue, a lot to do. Uh, but when he's like throwing the bottles at him, mm-hmm. um, it was like it felt again, like we've all been saying, it felt so real uh, mm. and lived in. But uh, I can't. Did you guys notice in that moment, too, like prior um, to, I think it was before when they were talking about um, um, the mom's best friend. Um, they were like, well, Carl is a man, man. And, you know, he don't see you like that way. But I noticed in that moment on rewatch, I've never noticed this before. When things got physical, that guy was out of there. <laughs> and, like, he did not come back until, uh, I know, then he even came back into the camera until after he walked out the door. And um, another point I wanted to make too, when we were talking about the use of the R word, like you said, it was very common back then, um, but like the way you said, just like, um, hey, I compare it to the use of the N word, which is used in pop culture a lot, right? And then like, uh, um, Let's say, like, for instance, when uh, they were talking about, um, I was going to say, the the girl that worked at the door. They called her. They didn't never use it in reference to her. They just called her slow. But That's when true. they talked about Carl, they used the R word. So that was uh, another comparison, you know, that... You just reminded me, though, of her, like, as in, like, he <laughs> kind of threw away that little relationship, like, as in, so, right, hang on, yeah. right, we're, we're, we're sort of dancing so around, much. we're sort of dancing around a little bit here. I will say that through the movie, like, as soon as, before Ephany checked out, like, because she knew it was going to get too deep, the, um, <laughs> it was also late, to be fair to her, but, um, the... This is when Lucas Black, the little boy, was saying, "I've got my, st- I've got this stepdad. I hate him. I wish I could. I wish someone would kill him." She instantly looked at me like, "Oh boy, sling blade." <laughs> and I, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Oh, this is where this is heading, or this is what this is foreshadowing, seeding, whatever you want to say." And so the rest of the movie, I was thinking, please don't kill him. Please don't kill him. Like, do <laughs> do something. Do something. Like, scare him off or, you know, chop off a hand or something. I mean, you're still going to get some time for that on you. But, you know, just <laughs> don't don't throw your life away too, you know? Like, is there a way that you could... But I think there was only ever this one way to go. Like, but you know what? At the end, he, you know, well, I know we'll get there, but he described the world as being big, remember? He did. He did. And it was like, like he said, he, he's institutionalized. I hate to say that, but it almost like, you know, like if you watch these, some of these prison movies, 
like uh, I know you guys will probably cover Shawshank. I, I would go out on the limb and say, spoiler alert, close your ears for a little bit if you want to. But when um, the old man with the, uh, did he have a rat or a bird or something? He had a bird when he uh, got yeah. out. Oh, and he, so many, he hung himself. Yeah. yeah. And so many people that lived in that apartment, they didn't make it. You know, but so because they couldn't deal with being free. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, and again, that comes back to the transition out of mm-hmm. an institution into the community that there needs to be <laughs> that that support. And need to work something, brother. Well, and so th- let's take it back. We're going to have to dot around a little bit. We're sort of, we are, we're doing well. I think we're hitting the main points. But uh, I think his name is Jerry, right? Who's the guy that was like, not the warden, but the head of, you know, the institution. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he, I, when he came back to say, like you said, Dom, you know, I've got nowhere to stay. Can I stay here? And he's like, well, no, you know, we'd be liable. And then he, he lets him. He 20 miles. Well, yeah. 20 miles. Just walk. But he, he then, um, he gave him a place to stay. And then he just sat in his, uh, door at the end of his daughter's bed, you know, for the whole <laughs> night. And, all of these things, uh, but then he he sets him up with a job, and then the guy that's that he's working for fixing lawnmowers and things just treats him so well, like it was really nice. And you know, he was when he said the next day after the first night he slept there, hey, it didn't sit well with me that you didn't have a key to get in and out, so mm-hmm. you know, take this. I was thinking, oh, this is great, this is all gonna work out, and as soon as uh lucas black's character the little boy was like oh you know you're gonna come and live with us i was thinking, you know stay there like you've got a good setup was that what you thought dom were you like please just stay there keep your head down you'll be fine eat your eat your big fries the biggins 75 cents i say it when you eventually get your your tin of meat eat the tin of meat and your crackers and just stay where you are you don't need to do anything else but yeah you know when there's like a when that when he's included uh, into a family that there's going to be issues especially when it's like a like this broken home and we've got this kind of stepdad figure who is a complete arsehole so yeah it's it's certainly a challenge just to to kind of jumping back to what both of you have said as well about him being institutionalized and and in that kind of mode and uh, reforming and he goes back because he's he's kind of got uh, he doesn't know how to exist and, and the interesting thing is, is that he that, that he's been alive in an institution longer than he's been out of one so it's what he's mm-hmm. used to that's his experience that's his that's his that's his world so I, I I actually kind of think by the time we get to the end of the film it's kind of okay like you don't want it to happen and you want him to succeed and you want him to stay out and he's earning some money and it's, you know, only a little amount, but he gives that away and he's quite happy to give that to the kid and uh, and what have you and, and try and make things right for them. And he does all the right things. He sets everything up, doesn't he? He goes and talks to the friend. Make sure you take them away. Make sure you keep them at the house. This is the money for the boy. I want him to be happy. Gives the boy the books. Learn something. You know, you can you can do this. You can do that with your life. You will be happy. Um, that he writes is the message, you know, yes. he says to, to the woman, thanks very much for everything, you know, you looked after me, you've done this. And that. So he sets everything up in such a great way and he's going to go back to where he's lived pretty much his entire life because that's what he can deal with it. He knows he can deal with it. So he's the right person 
to do what he did. And yes, that was uh, him being in prison. He was living better than anything (laughs) he had experienced up until that point. You know, I was sleep in the ditch. All those terrible things that happened to him living with his people. So prison probably wasn't that bad to him. Um, if you compare it, um, I think he said he was fed four times a week biscuits with mustard. Oh, man. Um, come on, man. And then they let him um, bury his little brother, um, the uh, premature Wait. baby. Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Because you guys are going over things too quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Slow it down. There's too much to unpack. What the... Firstly, we haven't got much time left, so yeah. we can't be going over. Can't be going over stuff that quickly. We we can eat into One Tree Hill time. I think it's okay. <laughs> but the, yeah, this is this is important stuff. Um, <laughs> this is also a much more. This is a much, we don't normally have this repertoire of topics to discuss on mm. this podcast. We normally are talking about. Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, or, <laughs> the most stupidest film ever, <laughs> right? And like, yeah, exactly. It, this isn't Which exactly. I do love. I do love. We love the <laughs> movies too, but I think this is actually illustrating to me that it's it's really important to cover movies like this and do more serious ones. The only other one I can think of that we've done that's really serious is like Saving Private Ryan. But it was like our second episode, so we were still sort of, you know, new to podcasting. We did Titanic as well. I mean, that's obviously serious. Any others, really? Like, that aren't Jurassic comedies. Jurassic Park has some serious moments. Jurassic Park, yeah. <laughs> no, man, we got to do something with deal. <laughs> <laughs> We've got but some right. serious films to cover. The the biscuits after he tells that joke he retells the joke and doesn't quite tell all of the parts to the mum he then asks if she'd make him biscuits with mustard and she does and that's after and then he tells her she asks what he de- what he'd done and she t- and he tell uh, he tells her and then she kind of is like it's okay and then makes him the biscuits and. At that point, my face was incredibly wet with the tears because I couldn't. It was like, oh my god, she's just accept this. She's accepting him, and it was such a beautiful moment. Um, there's also a really beautiful moment with the boy, like a few different beautiful moments. The one where he wants to hug him at the end. Um, he just put his arm oh, around him. That's what got me, and when um. You know, the boy put two and two together, what he was going to do, and he saw the bookmark. Uh, I, that that got me because, you know, he, he just loved that kid. And they had a beautiful relationship. Like you said, it's weird. It was weird, but it also was real and strong. And, uh, yeah, that, that part got me, man. Uh and uh, at the same time, like I was watching it downstairs, and uh, my son was just playing around, and I was like, "Wow, don't look over here, Daddy!" You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I was watching it on my laptop with the headphones. On. I mean, he definitely 
don't need to watch this yet. But <laughs> Daddy's but, a mess right now. Okay. <laughs> but 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 I will say, man, um, you know, raising my kid, I try to um um my father didn't do the best job. He did what he could. He was, I'm not saying he's a terrible man. But, like, it's just different the way that I want to raise my child. I want my child to know it's okay to cry. I've taught him that. Because for a while, you know, when you're raising up your kid, you're like, oh, man, tough tough guy or whatever. But, like, uh, I noticed that whenever something would happen, he would try to hold in his tears because he didn't want to see me. He didn't want me to see him cry to the point where it's, like, hurting. He's just, like, like, raging out. And I'm like, I told him one day, I said, son, it's okay to cry. And, um, you know, you have to show, you know, like I have a, a boy and a girl, and it is a difference between the two, um, obviously. <laughs> but um, I also let my son know that I love him, and, and I don't want him to just get hard love. Like I probably have heard my dad tell me he loved me maybe twice in my whole life. And I'm 44 years old. That's stupid. So I'm not going to raise my boy to to be that way because I want him to be a productive man in society and know all of his feelings and be able to give that to someone. And so like this this movie, uh, the way that kid was depicted is strong. Like, like when the mother was like, man, one day you're going to have everything you want and all that. Like you can see, like he was a special kid. Um, and I think it's just a character you, you fall in love for at the beginning when you meet him, the dude is doing laundry, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. And tons so <laughs> of it. Tons of laundry. Yeah. Uh, but also absolutely amen to everything you just said. Like it was a beautiful sentiment and really well, really well articulated. Um, yeah. And I, I couldn't agree more. Um, but okay. So that's, we move into a little bit further we're getting a bit closer towards the end of the, the end of the movie um obviously he has this nice little relationship like starting goes for the walk with the girl and she has a big blister and they kind of connect over that it's also <laughs> it was all really sweet uh we haven't really spoken much about john ritter's character who's you know the the he's, gay best friend great. Yeah. Um, he is wonderful, does such a great performance. Um, and there's also some sadness there as well about how he's being picked on by the douchebag stepdad. And then also how he is having to keep his relationship secret in, uh, you know, but a, a town. <laughs> right. Yeah. Everyone knows already, but you know, it's like a town in the South. Um, it's obviously also a different time. Um, not as progressive, <laughs> And so there's a lot of sadness there. But his conversation uh, with Carl in like the diner when he's like, I think you're a deep thinker. What are you thinking right now? And it's just like thinking about maybe I'm going to take these potatoes home. <laughs> Let me get some more potted meat. Yeah. Do you have six to eight cans that I can have? Why six to eight? It's so specific. <laughs> Well, he said they weren't moving. Carl was paying attention, you know. <laughs> what did oh, you think of their interaction, Dom? Like, is that some of the like the comedic edge that you wouldn't think a film like this might have? 
Yeah, I, th- I think it's also set up to be like, uh, I want. let me take you out to lunch. I'm going to take you out to lunch tomorrow or the day after because I want to have a serious conversation with you about how important those two people in my life are and how you're going to treat them right and you're not going to go anywhere near them. And it felt like he was going to like strong arm him a little bit. And then as <laughs> soon as they sit down, it's like, we're kind of the same. Like everybody treats me kind of similar to you and we're in that same sort of bracket of... Uh, kind of being outcast really because we, we're different um from other people and we you know we're not treated the same and we're not treated right and it was kind of like oh we're, we're level playing field it's nice he's created mm-hmm. he's actually created a level playing field to open a discussion and be like how can i be more like you carl you know how can i you know just <laughs> kind of just take the world as it comes because people say things in front of me in front of you and you just don't care you just let it happen so like what's going on in there and it's just like just want some canned meat you know? yeah <laughs> he thinks that it's simplest things first that's it. that's it exactly it yeah there's no no fuel in it no gas in it <laughs> yeah that was so that was really good as well exactly his whole technique is just to, and isn't that the way for life that like usually the yeah. simplest answer you know is is the is the answer well, let's uh, take it to a darker place then before we get towards the end. He obviously goes to see his dad, um, who's played by Robert Duvall, which was a, a a pleasant surprise that, you know, obviously a very for, familiar for actor. One, for one minute as well. It's literally a, like a minute, but a good minute. It's like, here's a very famous, you know, established <laughs> actor for a minute. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was a really good moment where he was just like, you know, I'm I'm your boy. I don't have a boy. Well, okay. Well, you should have treated me better. You should have, you know, looked after my little brother. Um, and uh, well, you're gonna die in that chair, and the world will be rid of you. Um, so fuck you, basically. He didn't say it quite yes. like that. I'm paraphrasing, but the the whole oh, I cried as well. The whole the story about his little brother and that he was mm. given and in the towel and still alive in the box, and he buried him and he was like six or eight years old it's like oh my god like my god and you know there are people that have been and are mistreated at these levels like i watched a uh, documentary on netflix years ago now but it was about someone that was essentially treated similarly to this and did end up murdering people and it was like well not to say there you go like two plus two equals four but it's like hey if you i mean and obviously it's different to sling blade carl's um you know situation where he actually misunderstood the situation that was happening right uh but you know people are mistreated and all these abused and all these things it has going to have an effect on that person's life an outlook and perspective on things uh, but my god and then he, the grave it was just really really mm-hmm. sad and seeing the actual like ditch and where he was mm-hmm. sleeping it was harrowing it, it was rough but you know uh he had a, he really did have a good innocent heart because even at the what put him in jail he thought he was doing right like he really did. He and it just you know, he, he went, I guess you would say to that well, not I guess. He went to extremes, obviously. But he 
he definitely had a good heart. Uh, and he definitely believed that kids shouldn't experience grown up things. And that he's right. Like, let a kid, kid have their innocence. Because once you get to a point where you're grown, you can't go back. You you can't avoid bills. You can't avoid stress uh, that comes from life. But when you're young, you have that innocence. My son don't know that <laughs> daddy got to pay mortgage and this and that. He, he like, man, let me get some McDonald's or Zaspies every day. You know, <laughs> he, don't, he don't know how life works you know he's like i want to go do this uh, can we go on vacation you know he don't understand it because life hasn't hit him at that level yet but it will one day if he keeps living so like just let a kid be i, I thought one of the other strong moments um that i had in my mind before i forgot was that when the kid uh said like uh I think he said something like it's a sin to uh, it was something they were talking about. Uh, obviously, one of the sins was murder. And then they were comparing another sin. Suicide. Uh, suicide. That's it. When yeah. talking about his father. And then the kid brought up, well, they, in the Bible, it says it's a sin to kill. And Carl was just like, touche, you know. like <laughs> That was a really good moment as well, though, when he went to John Ritter's character at the end and said, you know, yep. it says in the Bible that yep. two men shouldn't lie together. But, yep. you know, if you was at Heaven's Gates, uh, you know, there's and yeah. God got to know you, there's no way he would put you into Hades, which is what he called hell. It was like... What a right. what a poignant, deep thing yes. to say from somebody that people are underestimating as um as thinking that he's, you know, dense. And that basically perfectly brings us to the end of the film because the douchebag stepdad just never thought that he was gonna do it, right? Like or was like so confident of, yeah, if you're gonna kill me, you better order a <laughs> you know, an ambulance and a hearse and then gets his face split. Though just Man. before that, when um when Carl in the middle of the night just comes into their room <laughs> holding the hammer <laughs> There's a couple things about this scene. One, they're on a waterbed <laughs> that water looked <laughs> terrible. Terrible. That sounds like a twin why did anyone ever think that would be a good thing to slosh around in your sleep? I remember those, man. Uh, man, being an old pigeon, you've experienced a lot of things from <laughs> yesteryear. <laughs> and when you get on, when you used to get on, I've, I've, I've experienced one before. Uh, I think maybe like a friend or someone's parents had one. And I was like, oh, man, let me get on. It just... <laughs> You just like this, <laughs> just flopping all over the place, and then it makes no sense because it makes the mattress so heavy. If that mattress gets punctured, or if you, you know, doing anything, come on, man, what, what, what's the fun in this motion in the ocean? I don't know. Trying to ride the wave, <laughs> right? It makes zero sense to me. But hey, man, it's. I, I don't know. Maybe you're going to make me Google and research the history of a waterbed now. <laughs> but he was just sitting in there in his tidy whities 
that was one thing I did agree with uh, Doyle on. Like, I was like, come on, bro. You coming in here with a hammer in the middle of the night. <laughs> right. Yeah. Dom, what did you think about him coming in with a hammer? Like, did you think he was just going to, like, knock out his kneecaps real quick or what? <laughs> I thought, I thought oh, oh, this is the moment where he's going to whack him on the head. <laughs> and I was going, no, don't do it. Don't do it. But And he didn't. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe he's not going to do it. I was expecting him to kill him at some point throughout the whole film and i want to get baptized like the whole thing is like i don't understand i don't know what's going on but and he doesn't even know why he's got the hammer as well like okay <laughs> maybe he was just like fixing something or something and forgot and it was meant to just be a device for us as an audience to be like oh my god he's got a hammer but but also <laughs> <laughs> Doyle was the only guy that was like was questioning it the whole time and the then, whole time but yeah. what I what I did like is when he did like split his face open or whatever with the lawnmower blade is we didn't have to see it and I nope. miss that I miss that from 90s movies and if it was mm-hmm. today we would have seen brain matter everywhere mm-hmm. and some of it would have landed in Carl's mouth and he would have spat it back out it would have been like a whole gruesome thing I prefer this slap slap right don't don't need to see it I'm going over here to make a phone call order the ambulance and the hearst as well because you know as some dark comedy and then I'm going to eat some biscuits with some mustard from the bottom of the jar don't even wash my hands. <laughs> I don't think Carl looks like the hand washing type. I don't think he's worried too much about hand washing. Like he's constantly doing that with his hands, right? Doing like yep. sort of, it's kind of like called stemming, I think, where it's like, uh, is it yeah. stemming or stimming? I might be getting that wrong. But it's like where you're doing repetitive motions, just kind of like self soothing. Um, I'll tell yeah. Yeah, and they focused on that quite a lot throughout the film. And then the final, final, final scene, the final scene, is he's back at the institution, and uh, that same prick is just chatting at him, chatting all this horrible nonsense. And then he mentions the boy, um, and he just said, don't talk to me about him. Don't talk to me ever. Fuck you. But he doesn't say it like that. He says it in his car way. And there we go. And it's like, it obviously, it meant something to him. It beca- He became his friend. And there's Sling Blade. Oh. It was, man, uh, really, really, I noticed so many things when when I rewatched this. So you guys should rewatch it if you have time, because you will notice just different things on a rewatch. And like, uh, you notice from the get-go, uh, like that guy that you're referring to, he was a, a rapist, I would assume, because he was talking crazy, really, really sick. But he uh, he discussed the call, and once you get his mannerisms down, like you know, he do his chin like this, like like mm, like man, I really don't like what you're saying, you know. And so uh, it's it was a fitting fitting ending. Mm-hmm. In a weird way, Carl was a hero. Like he probably saved their lives, uh, and they knew what he was going out to do, and nobody stopped him. They they were like like they were like, Carl, uh, he gonna kill Doyle, but 
Yeah. Oh, that's never gonna do it. Yeah, you know? I'm tired, <laughs> you know. So, you know, and um, I went to the scene. You know, the 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 band scene. That's one of my favorite scenes. I, I think it's just hilarious. Uh, you know, I played cards with chief of police. You know, like <laughs> you know, like Dawes is he's a prick. But he had some moments where it's just really, really funny. They were terrible. And, uh, yeah, just a, a great movie. And I would encourage uh, the Ravens and Pigeons uh, and Sweat Towel collectors to watch it. But it's very hard to watch because I thought I had a copy laying around. I couldn't find it. I... I um, had to go to the dark well to watch this because it's not streaming in the U.S. anywhere, like on no apps. So, but and, and that's really weird to me too. That is, it's not available for streaming anywhere, and the DVDs are expensive as well. Hmm. Well, that's a great final thought for you, Ed, on Slingblade. Don, what are your final thoughts on Slingblade? Uh, I would very much recommend this film to people. I think it. I think it is quite an important watch. I think to understand the the whole kind of treatment of Carl, uh, and not to say that he's badly treated, but the the kind of whole institutionalized element of it, and then how he's treated when he's out of mm-hmm. of the institution, and how people see him and react to him. Like he's a threat, but he's also not a threat in a way is like you know we oh he's okay it's just Carl he's you know the R word and that's all they say is that actually he's someone that's gone to uh, prison for doing something quite nasty and he's been left with quite nasty people as well you know the bloke that's always chatting at him he says well, I like talking to you because I don't like people that talk you know he even says oh, I taped up this person's mouth while he was doing horrible things to him so um, yeah what a scumbag um, I did find out an interesting fact whilst we've been talking is that 911 was first used in 1968. So had this been set, had he gone to jail in 1967, 68, it means that it would have been 1992, 1993 when he got out. Let's say it was 25 years later. So there we go. Um, which makes sense. Early 90s kind of fits fits the bill. Um, but no, it's, it's a really good film. It's, there's it, you know it's very deep i can understand why people would cry at it and the certain scenes you know when he's puts his arm around the the boy as a as a comforting thing to, and and to kind of say thank you it's a thank you isn't it it's a thank you message you, you know you've been really nice to me and you've been a friend to me and i wouldn't want anything bad to happen to you so i'm going to go and do something to make sure that that that, that, that happens and and you can stay happy and look after your mum. and yeah i think it's a it's actually a, a very kind film you know there's, there's a lot of kindness in it throughout um and yeah i think it's got a good message to it as as much as there's you know murder but it's it's murder for for kindness in a weird way but yeah what about you simon murder for the greater good uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah well before i give my final thoughts there are you just reminded me of a couple trivia points that i, I also can bring to the table so uh billy bob Thornton wrote the screenplay for this a month after his cousin who had learning disabilities passed away. Um, so I think there was, is also I'm assuming part of a passion project for him maybe as well as something that he's sort of connected to, to get Carl's kind of awkward walk. 
Billy Bob Thornton puts little pieces of uh, broken glass in his shoes. <laughs> That's <laughs> Which, commitment. That is <laughs> commitment. Um, he also got his hair cut like purposefully to be like that from like a local barber's. And he said when he went there, like in the town they shot at, um, it was a, it was uh, Bill's barber's, and he went in, and Bill was the only barber there, and Bill was asleep um, in his chair. And then when he sat down, there was in the armrests of the barber's chair, there were two ashtrays, like an ashtray in each, and Bill had a cigarette burning in each of them. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. And he, and he said he was trying to explain to him what kind of haircut he wanted, like he wanted it to look, you know, a certain way and how it would there. And he said Bill wasn't really understanding, so he just said, forget all of that, Bill, just give me the usual. Like whatever the usual is, and that was the haircut that was that he was. Wow. And then last but not <laughs> and then last but not least, um Oh oh no, it's gone out of my ah, head. Bring it back. The, what was the I, I got too lucky earlier with my free things. <laughs> oh I'm not sure. It it might it might pop back in my head. I know I read that it, it took like uh twenty four days to film it in a small town in Arkansas. So it was filmed there. And so it's a short by Molly Ringwald. I'm gonna have to watch it go and watch it where she played like one of the college kids. Yeah. Ed, you, Ed, you gave me enough time to remember it. It's back. There we go. So there's one, there's one moment. Well, there might be a few moments, but there's one moment that when I watched it, I was like, oh, I wonder if it is uh, ad-libbed uh, or improvised. And then when I was reading the trivia, it's like confirmed. It's like, yes, this moment was uh, ad-libbed or improvised by Billy Bob Thornton. Can you guess what it is? Mm-hmm. No. When they're so, playing football? when they're in like the garage at the kid's house and they're with the meat and uh the kid's saying oh i heard there's peckers in there you know (laughs) and there's the bit towards the end of the scene where he said yeah he goes yeah there's one there and you see the kid you see the kid laugh that was that was he just ad-libbed that and there was a genuine reaction Do, do you know what when you at night, like when I watched that, I thought, "Oh, that seems genuine. That seems like he's throwing that in." And yeah, now you say it. I couldn't remember it until you mentioned it. That's so good. <laughs> I, I thought maybe you were going to say something about his mouth, like he had some sort of prosthetic or something holding his mouth in that way. Because doing that for that long was like, and his like his top lip looked really like bulged, so it looked mm. like he had like a something put in there. But yeah, it was like that was all him their play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. Big bottom lip. Yeah. Well, as my final thoughts, I will say that I think this is a wonderful movie. Really good. Definitely recommend it. I totally agree with what both of you have said. And I think it's a film that people would be scared to make now. Um, I think that there was a lot of, uh, ver- not versions of this, but movies that centered around somebody that had like a learning disability or was neurodiverse in some way. Uh, Rain Man, Forrest Gump, you know, there's there quite a few. And obviously this one. And you don't really see that much anymore. Uh, or you, you do, I guess. But 
but usually played by people that that have some sort of neurodiversity so you have someone you know like the peanut butter falcon starring the the young the young guy with down syndrome or something around that but i don't know if a film like this would still be made today um which is sad in some ways because this is like a masterclass in filmmaking billy bob thornton's performance is outstanding everyone's performance is is so good there is not one uh sort of weak weak spot within the film uh yeah i would i just think it was really good and thank you for uh you know bringing it to the table ed and uh yeah it's been a really good conversation as well around it um let's just give we'll give we'll give our ratings but let's just give them as like objectively out of 10 uh so ed what would you give sling blade out of 10 i definitely give it 10 of 10 like you say it's uh unique i think that like it's a great story um that people should definitely visit but and it's a unique movie i thought about like gilbert grape uh and like um radio movies like that you enjoy but like for some reason like you said people a lot of times people think that you're just making fun of uh challenged people um like i, I work for a lady that used to work with people like that and anything she's very sensitive about it i i get it but it's not making fun i think that everybody like representation and all different thing, stories need to be told and, and this was a a master a masterful story and it did, didn't just focus on the challenge guy had a gay person and just all kind of different people yeah great points dom um i think i'm gonna give it a nine uh i actually you know thought the, thought the film was really really good really well put together really well performed by by everyone in it um and the storyline was good. I think there's quite a, an element of predictability. Even the lawnmower not having gas was was obvious, you know. Um, but uh, I, you, you kind of just waiting the entire film for him to kill um, <laughs> to kill this guy, aren't you? Just like you, you kind of think, I don't want it to happen, but I also want him to not <laughs> exist anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to give it a nine. I think it's a really strong film, and and it's a really good reminder that um, like quality films are out there that aren't like huge hollywood blockbusters you know uh and it's it's a it's a good reminder that we can pick something uh with a a bit more of a serious kind of storyline uh, a bit more real and, tr- and true to life that isn't like a huge budget film um that that's that's really got a really good story and really good script so yeah what about you mate well yeah, I, I I asked my dad who has seen like every film on the phone earlier, and I said, "Oh, dad, have you seen Sling Blade?" And he'd never heard of it. I asked my uh, my mother-in-law and father-in-law when I saw them earlier today. You ever seen Sling Blade? Never heard of it. Um, F had never heard of it. I'd never heard of it. Well, like I'd heard the name but didn't know what it was. Dom hadn't like so. I, I there really is bit of a. I don't know whether it just didn't have such a big marketing campaign in the uk maybe but the fact that it was up for oscars you know usually puts things on the map so uh yeah i like to 
re-emphasize what dom just said i think it just shows that there are really great movies out there <laughs> that uh we need to dig in the crates man and look in the archives um but yeah i really enjoyed it i would put this at a 10 i think it was uh I feel like it was one that people would study in like film classes and things. It's like a really tight script. Everything pays off. Everything means something. Like all of the, there's no there's not really much wasted, uh, you know, scenes or references. So yeah, really good movie. A hard watch. Like I, it's not something that you would rewatch a lot. Um, but really good movie. So yeah, thank you and thank you, Ed. Um, how are we gonna? always enjoyable to podcast with you i guess i'm not really going so heavy on the goodbyes because we're about to podcast one tree here with you but <laughs> thank you for suggesting thank you for coming on how are we going to do this um i don't think it's it going to be right. one way you gotta do the french fried tater voice <laughs> come on come on then dom i didn't know whether it was appropriate to do or not but like let's hear it so we're trying to be Carl. You knew that this was going to happen, surely, at some point. <laughs> we all knew it. It's the only, the only recognisable voice in it. I, I reckon. I reckon. It's quite deep, isn't it? I reckon. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a bit like that, isn't it? Is that? Yeah. Yes, ma'am, I reckon. I reckon we do uh, Ravens on three. One. Mm-hmm. Two. <laughs> I reckon. Yeah, yeah three. Uh, ravens. A big and ravens. <laughs> <laughs>